Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Episode 97 of BJN Radio coming out of the All-Star break on fire, Coomzy. And honestly, I don't even think there's a way for us to properly put into context just how good the Blue Jays were over that three game set against Boston, or maybe even it'd be better to say how bad the Red Sox were over that three game set. But the Jays came out of the all-star break uh, like they were shot out of a cannon outscoring Boston 40 to 10. That was a very enjoyable series of baseball after a first half that really didn't feature a lot of enjoyable series of baseball. No, that's about as good as you can possibly come out of the all-star break. And on the flip side for the Red Sox, that's about as bad as you could possibly come out of the all-star break. You could pretty honestly make a case that the Blue Jays might have put the nail in the coffin for the Red Sox season. There's a long ways to go. Obviously, the baseball season does not end in July and the Red Sox are still 500, but the trade deadline's right around the corner. And if you're Boston after this stretch of games, like right before the all-star break, they just got pumped by the Yankees. They get pumped by the Jays. Yeah, I don't think you're going to go be trading prospects for win now players. The Red Sox might now be in a position where they consider selling. So that's a that's a pretty significant swing for the Jays to just yeah. come out and shit pump the Red Sox into that headspace. Yeah, um, it's unreal. They were talking about it a lot on the broadcast, obviously. You know, now the questions for the Red Sox after the series are not okay, what wild card seed could you be? It's now, do you trade Xander Bogarts? Do you trade JD Martinez and Nate Yavaldi? Like not necessarily small moves we're talking about here. Like these are kind of franchise altering moves that the Red Sox have to consider over the next little bit. And the good news for the Blue Jays, if the Red Sox do decide to go down that route, well, Toronto plays them six more times this season as well. So there's a chance that you may have just weakened an opponent. You still need to line up against a few more times this season. Uh, we'll be talking a lot of trade deadline coming up here over the next sort of week or so as we get closer to the deadline. Uh, but let's get into three up, three down delivered by our friends over at DoorDash. Promo code BJNPODDD gets first time users of the app 25% off and no delivery fees. We're starting with the up because it was all sunshine in Boston, perhaps too much sunshine because they were talking a lot about how hot it was in Boston, mid thirties. Uh, but the first up is just, I mean, we talked about the fact they scored 40 runs. That's great. But a guy who was a catalyst for the offense is Rymel Tapia, who had a hilarious inside the park grand slam that was like something you would see in an old rec league slow pitch game where the center fielder just loses the ball in the sun. And my favorite part about that is a couple of things. 
one Tapia hits it, slams his bat on the ground, and he's pissed yeah, he, off. <laughs> and like doesn't even start running, which is uh, the fact he still legged that out is incredible. And the center fielder for Boston just kind of stands there and is like, eh. Like he doesn't he put go in get no the ball. effort to get it either. It looks no. so bad. Uh, I couldn't believe it, man. Like he literally just stood there and like stared at the left fielder coming over to get it. And I was like, what are you the doing? The left fielder <laughs> runs in and slides. It's so dramatic. Like contorts his entire body to get it into the infield and it just looks insane meanwhile jaron duran's just like watching him being like oh shucks like if you make that fuck up at least just sprint to the wall and well, like, everyone's yeah. like well you lost in the lights and you tried hard but he just looked like such a baby about it yeah uh in that game duran also struck out three times in five at bats so not a great night for him but tapia on the series goes seven for 13 with 11 rbi um i i also loved in the next game or it would be the series finale when they're sitting there talking like, Oh, you know, blah, blah. And uh, Pat goes, it'd be great if he shot one to the gap again here. Like, could we get another inside the park home run? And like, as he says it, Tapia shoots one into the deep triangle at Fenway and legs out an RBI triple as well. Um, Just a great series from Tapia. And they, the fact he's a lefty bat and is starting to get going really makes this lineup more dangerous. Yeah, it was really, it's really funny to go and look at the numbers. So Tapia at the, at the all-star break has a six, eight, eight OPS. And then he has that game against Boston and the OPS jumps up to seven Oh eight. And then he has the other game against Boston where he goes three for five. And that was OPS is up to seven twenty six. That's like a 50 point swing in a matter of two games. But if you look back for Tapia, you go back to the beginning of June and yeah, as the calendar flipped from May to June, his OPS was five ninety eight. He was struggling quite a bit he was one of those guys where we were all sitting here being like good lord they need to find a different left-handed back because this guy's a pumpkin but since then he's been completely on fire his batting average between june and july is 339 his ops in that stretch is set is uh 916 so like tapia just becoming an internal solution is a game changer for the jays and look there's no there's no saying that he's going to put up a 900 ops 315 batting average the rest of the way but if he can just be you know a a good quality left-handed hitter who's getting on base, then that's fantastic because we thought one of the biggest needs for the Jays was lefty bat. You're going to have to go out and acquire a, you know, it wouldn't be Andrew Benintendi because the vaccine thing, but you know, a name like that. And now all of a sudden Tappy is killing it. Kevin Biggio has been pretty good too. Maybe that's not a need anymore. And you can just focus on pitching instead. That's a, that's a significant game changer for the front office. Yeah, and I really do think the Jays are in a position here where their play over the next little bit will determine their deadline strategy. And the play of guys like Tapia and Biggio will go a long ways in determining their deadline strategy because you're absolutely right. Like if you go through a few more series here, granted your opponents aren't particularly tough for the next little bit here with St. Louis not having anybody and the Tigers coming up <laughs> after that. Um, but if if you rattle off, you know, 40 more runs in some of these games, then you're probably sitting there going, yeah, you know, we don't, we don't need to touch the offense. Let's go. Maybe the couple assets we had set aside to go get that impact lefty bat. Let's go move that and get an extra bullpen piece. Maybe that pushes you over the top and you can get a guy. I know I've been, I've been beating this drum for a while. I get a guy like a Gregory Soto or something. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how these next few weeks of, or these next few series, I should say, impact their deadline plans. Uh, the second up we have is Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who I think we even joked about this earlier in the year when he was going through a point where he struggled. There is always a three to four week stretch where he is the best hitter in the majors. And it comes, it comes every year. And I'm a guy who plays a lot of like daily fantasy, DraftKings stuff like that. 
there is always one month where Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is in every single lineup I make because he is that hot. That is certainly this streak right now. Uh, he ties an all, he ties an MLB record with six hits in a nine inning game. So obviously you have to exclude games that go to extra innings. There he goes six for seven, and uh, as you noted, his OPS shoots up quite a bit as well. Yeah, I've I've, I've been saying this for quite some time, and there's uh, I don't know if it's really accurate. I've never bothered to dig into it and see if there's anything that corresponds with it, like in regards to their success. But it always feels like whenever Guriel goes nuclear, the team goes nuclear. It's when they're cold, Guriel is also cold. And I don't know the specifics behind it, but it's so noticeable that as soon as this guy heats up, the entire team heats up. And that's what we're seeing right now. Like Guriel just has one of his ridiculous series. He goes seven for 15, drives in five runs. It just seems like he's so locked in. Anything the pitcher throws, he's going to hit. And it's such a contrast to before when he was struggling. And it looks like, okay, every time this guy comes up to bat, he's down 0-2 immediately. He's swinging through everything. But now he just looks so good. And it's it's fantastic timing because the Jays really, really, really want to come out of the all-star break and kill it. Because, you know, if you're ripping now and you really establish yourself in the wild card and teams are saying, wow, the Jays are extremely good. This is, you know, this is the team to beat in the wild card race because the Yankees are the team to beat in the American League East. And maybe a team like Tampa or a team like Boston or a team like Cleveland or Seattle, somebody like that is a little bit less inclined to buy. That's why it's so important for the Jays to come out in this second half and rip. And that's what they've been doing. And you get performances from Riel, Tapia, whoever, like more of your depth guys. And that's when they really start to like click as an offense. Yeah, and I, I like the the point about the psychological damage a streak like this can do on some other teams you're battling with in the American League, and we'll have more on that in just a second here. Also, you talk about, you know, kind of quote-unquote depth pieces who had a good series. I, I thought Matt Chapman was putting together some really good at-bats. You go through sort of his box score from the three games. He goes two for four in the ser- series finale. He goes one for three with a walk, and then in the first game, obviously, he goes three for six as well. So that guy got on base multiple times in every single game in that series against the Boston Red Sox. He's a guy who I think at the plate has left fans wanting more, certainly would have left than the organization, maybe wanting a little bit more when he's up at the dish. But if he can turn it around as well, like we're starting to see shades of the offense that we were dreaming about over the winter, right? Yeah, it's a lot more looking like what it looked like last year, 2015. You know, we've made the comparison a whole bunch of times this year that 2022 is the 2016 to 2021's 2015 team and the 2016 team, the bats were frustrating and it didn't seem like they ever really broke out. And that's kind of what it looked like in the first half. You know, there was good stretches, but they haven't really clicked on all, all cylinders. And it seems like they're, uh, they're, they're getting there now. So maybe they go nuclear for a bit here and that'd be fantastic to watch because you know, that makes life easier on your pitchers too. Like one of the hard things about the Jays this year, especially in like April is they tax their bullpen so hard because every game was close. They weren't scoring that many runs. So everything was a a one run game. So if you can just have a nice little stretch here where you're just pumping teams and Jordan Romano gets like a week off basically from pitching and leverage, then, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big game changer for what's going to come in September and October. Yeah. Uh, third up we have, man, it's great to talk about the offense and the bats being sexy, but you know, who else was sexy in the series, the big, the big man. man, the big man, Alec Manoa, uh, you want to talk about just a great weekend for viral Jays content. You have the Red Sox and the shit going around with like the Benny Hill playing in the background as they boot around the ball. Once again, like a rec league slow pitch team, but then you also had Alec Manoa 
telling the Red Sox on a pretty consistent basis to go take a seat in the dugout. Manoa claiming he was uh, arguing to go take a sip of BioSteel as he is sponsored by BioSteel. But no, if you're even an amateur lip reader, you know what the big man was saying. He goes six strong and yes, he allows six hits, but he only or seven hits, but he only allows one earned run and strikes out seven. Uh, Man, this guy, I don't think he's winning the Cy Young this year, but it is just wildly impressive that in his second season in the majors, being as young as he is, that there's even a conversation to be had about it. It is. We, we didn't see this coming. I, I, well, it's always funny for us to point out when we did that preseason show ahead of 2021. And yeah. we were like, yeah, Alec Manoa is going to come up in August and be a good reliever. And yeah. it's like, well, no, he came up in May and has not made a bad start since. And it's absolutely nuts. But it really seems like the kind of star that Alec Manoa is, is really starting to blossom, especially after that appearance in the All-Star yeah. game. He was mic'd up and he was very entertaining, very charming, very confident, but not in a off-putting way. I think maybe some fans might be rubbed the wrong way, way by it, especially if you're a rival fan. Like you can see Red Sox fans absolutely hate the guy now, yeah. which is funny. Like it's, it's entertaining. It's good for rivalries. You know, he was striking guys out and then they would look at him and he'd tell them to fuck off sit the fuck down and Red Sox fans are online melting down. Like, Oh, why are you telling our number seven hitter to sit down? It's like, I don't know. Fuck you. That's why just deal with it. Like you just allowed 28 runs. Like don't talk. And it's just, it's just good for banter. It's good for, it's good for beef. It's fun. Like beef sells records. That's what we like. And Alec Manoa has got, he's got the same kind of chat on the mound swagger personality as Marcus Stroman. But I think it's a little bit more charming because he's not five foot three. <laughs> That's the only reason it's more charming. Yeah. It, when, when Stroman was doing it, it's just Napoleonic complex and it's weird. Whereas when Manoa is doing it, it's like, yeah, you're the big man. Like that's sick. Strut your shit. Uh, it's funny when you said, you know, he's come up and basically not had a bad start. And it got me thinking like, what would be Alec Manoa's worst start? And like this year, you're right. He really hasn't had a bad outing. Like he's given up the most, the most earned runs he's given up in a game is four. It's happened twice. And he pitched into the sixth inning in both of those games. Like maybe you could argue the one against Oakland was a quote unquote poor start. But like even that is it feels a little nitpicky. You'd have to go back to last September, I guess, when he gave up six against the Oakland A's over five. I have no innings. memory of that. <laughs> yeah. Like, again, and I, I do remember it was the one in June against Baltimore. I think that was the game he got tossed when he started plunking a few yeah. batters and gave up a few dingers. But like, again, to find like a really bad Alec Manoa start, it's nearly impossible. Like you're really nitpicking at that point. Uh, it's crazy to see what he's done. And yeah, the personality this guy is is endearing himself, not to, not just to Jays fans, but to to baseball fans in general, you talked about him being mic'd up and the three punchies thing after and all that shit. Um, he's just a really, really likable dude at the Jays are super lucky to have him. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he's, uh, he's going to become one of the the big stars in the team. I remember I was at that game. It was his t-shirt giveaway and the, the applause that he got when they introduced him and the same thing with Alejandro Kirk as well. Like these two guys are becoming just like huge stars here. You thought, for years, it was going to be Bo Vlad, Bo Vlad, or, you know, Springer. That's your big free agent signing. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, but now it's Alec Manoa and Alejandro Kirk. <laughs> uh, all right. That's going to do it for our three up. It's awesome. Uh, for our downs, Coombsy, I am. we're moving away from the Jays for this because, I mean, 
the Jays were unreal. There's nothing to complain about in that series, but I'll give uh, the down to the Rays, the Mariners and the Red Sox who, I mean, Seattle lost three in a row. Boston obviously got swept. Tampa dropped two or three. Uh, They get sort of the cold performers of the week, so to speak, because (laughs) the Jays managed to gain three on Boston, three on Seattle and two on the Tampa Bay Rays. And now they sit atop the wild card race, you know, number one spot. We know they're not catching the New York Yankees. No one's going to sit here and pretend that they are. So the best thing you can do is come top spot in the AL wild card, play the weakest team in that race and have all three of those games. Potentially, if you even need three to be at the Rogers center. So the fact that they were able to not only take care of business, but got some help on the out of town scoreboard is extra encouraging for this baseball team. Yeah, the Jays really absolutely need to finish in that top wildcard spot because they really, really, really want to be the home team. We all know why it, I mean, <laughs> it does provide them a little bit of an advantage in these situations. Um, as we're seeing with St. Louis coming to town, there's a potential that if you're playing a team in the first round, maybe they're missing a guy, whatever. But the Jays do play significantly better when they're at home as opposed to on the road. Like you look at the splits and they're very good at the Rogers Center and they're like, yeah. I, they might be over 500 again now after the sweep in Boston, but at the all-star break, they were, I think like 22 and 25 away, something like that. So they're obviously a significantly better team in Toronto and there is a slightly competitive edge. I'm not saying it's, you know, a full on competitive edge. I understand the rules and the border, blah, blah, blah. Like I get it, but objectively it is a little bit easier for the Chase to be playing in Canada and for a team to be coming here. Yeah. Um, no doubt about that. I'm trying to think now just quickly off the top of my head from, uh, like, can you imagine if they matched up against Seattle in a wildcard yeah. series and Robbie Ray couldn't come here? Exactly. That's the thing is uh, there's, I mean, I don't think any of the, I'm just trying to think of who, then there's guys on Tampa too. Like, yeah, I don't remember much, Tampa being as significant. No, though. it wasn't, it wasn't good players. It wasn't like what we're seeing with St. Louis or what we saw with Seattle. Yeah. And I don't think there's anybody significant on, uh, there was a few players on Boston, but it wasn't super significant, nothing yeah. significant on the Yankees. So, I mean, pretty much if you run into Seattle, <laughs> that's the one where it really stands out. Yeah, that's also, the we haven't, scenario. Have we seen Cleveland and Toronto yet this year? I don't think we have. Uh, if we have, it certainly wasn't memorable. <laughs> no memory of that happening. So uh, no, it's it's Seattle is the one yeah. where it stands out. And I do know that Cleveland is coming to Toronto in the middle of August because that's there when we're flying out a bunch of uh, our nation's citizens here from Edmonton for our Oilers Nation vacation. Actually, I think we still have a few spots left. So if you're listening to this and you're from the Edmonton area, you can hop on a flight with us. We were watching the Jays twice, TFC once, although I believe they're hot junk right now. I'm not much of an MLS guy, though. Uh, but we're watching the Jays twice. We're doing a bunch of fun stuff out in Toronto. You can find out more details at nationgear.ca. Um, all right, let's take a look at a little bit of trade talk here. And Ben Nicholson Smith had uh, some interesting thoughts in his article over at uh, sportsnet.ca, you know, a little bit of chat about what they're going to do with the back end of the rotation. He mentioned, you know, maybe there's a chance you say Kikuchi gets his season back on track. I, I think at this point, if you're counting on that, you're foolish. Uh, Max Castillo is maybe the name you would be holding your breath for a little bit more is, is maybe a younger out of the blue option who can come in and just give you four or five decent starts here down the stretch, right? You're not going to be asking for a ton out of him other than just a little bit of consistency. But as you look at this rotation, Gosman is still pitching. Well, uh, we'll talk about Jose Barrios in a second uh, when we get to previewing the Cardinal series, but he's even starting to turn it around Manoa. You know, you're getting good starts from Manoa and the same thing from stripling. Like you are four deep right now. I think it's pretty fair to say that it's a matter of what they're going to do with that fifth arm. 
and and how their approach will be in terms of what kind of pitcher they go after. Are they going to, you know, maybe go after a Castillo or, or someone who they view as more of a potential longer term piece in this rotation? Or are they going to sit there and go, nah, it's rental market for us because of how good our first three guys are and the fact we have them locked up. And we're going to try to get a Cinder Guard or a Martin Perez or something like that. Um, is there a name that stands out to you? Is there an approach that stands out to you? Can I, what would what would you like to see them do? We'll start with the starting rotation specifically. Yeah, so it seems like they definitely should add a starting rotation arm. Like you said, I think it's a fool's errand to assume that Yusei Kikuchi is going to pull it together and become consistently good. Like, I think you could toss him in the rotation and expect him to have a few good starts. But to expect him to just be like, you know, a quality number five starter who gives you five innings each time, I don't see it happening personally. So it does seem like the move is to go and acquire a starter. I don't know if they want to again, because they did this with Jose Barrios last year. I don't know if they again want to go and pay like a huge load to acquire like a top end guy with another year of control. I understand the logic because you're also looking at next year too. You have, you know, a few guys in the mix, you have Manoa, you have Gosman, you have Barrios and Kikuchi are signed next year. Ryu is probably out for the entire year. Stripling's a free agent. There's a reasonable chance he gets paid like a starter and leaves. I think that's fair to assume. Um, So yeah, going out and getting another starter, that is around next year makes some sense, but just given what they've, what they've already traded away to acquire guys in the last year or so, I just don't really see it happening. I think you're more likely to see them go and get like a back end arm. The, the guys that uh, Ben Nicholson Smith mentions because um, starting pitchers who are more pitch to contact guys tend to command less on the trade market. So maybe like a Martin Perez, Noah Syndergaard is the one that always stands out for me. They um, they had interest in signing Syndergaard in the offseason. He wound up taking the deal to sign with the Angels. The Angels are dog shit, so it's pretty reasonable to assume they'll trade Syndergaard. Uh, I don't know if this is actually like a fit that makes sense beyond me just being like, okay, it's always kind of felt like Syndergaard should pitch for the Jays. Yeah. You know, like he was their big prospect, exciting guy that got shipped away in the R.A. Dickey trade. And now it just kind of seems like, okay, like here we are now eight, nine years later, why not make it happen just for a few months? It'd be fun. He really would be a nice fit for the team. It's just like back end arm. Your expectations don't have to be super high. He's made 14 starts this year, has a four ERA perfectly fine. Uh, probably isn't going to break the bank to acquire. So that'd be my number one option for starting pitching. But I do think the big focus for the Jays needs to be deepening that bullpen because uh, as we've seen earlier in the season, once they do get taxed, it becomes very thin. There is some good arms back there, but there aren't a lot of arms that can strike guys out consistently. And that's what you're going to need in late September and come October. Uh, some names that Ben Nicholson Smith mentioned coming out of the bullpen, uh, Joe Jimenez or Gregory Soto from the Tigers, uh, Jorge Lopez of the Orioles, who we've seen a little bit this season. David Robertson of the Cubs is a guy who Jays fans would be familiar with, obviously, from his time with the Yankees. Uh, Kyle Finnegan of the Nats sounds interesting. David Bedner of the Pirates is one that I look at, and th- that could be a situation where the Pirates are so far out of it that you don't have to wait as long to get them. Like maybe you can jump the market with a guy like David Bedner. Uh, last year, the Jays went with, as, as Ben noted, more of a bulk approach, right? They got Brad Hand, they got Joaquin Soria, and they, and they got Simber and Richards, four arms. And like Simber worked, Richards worked, the other two not really. I would argue this year, if I'm, if I'm in Ross Atkins' seat, I'm prioritizing one impact bullpen yep. piece over going out and trying to get three or four, like little take a flyer on him, take a flyer on him, see if we catch lightning in a bottle, like go get a big piece for the bullpen. 
Yeah, they have enough arms that are fine. Like you have enough guys like David Phelps, Simber, um, guys who can pitch that are reasonably reliable, but you really need a contingency plan in like the eighth, ninth inning, just in case maybe Jordan Romano burns out and he can't get it done. We've seen in the past Romano, if he's pitching too much, he starts to struggle. Uh, I'm just thinking of a situation in late September when you really need to win games and you need Romano to come out and get five outs. It's just, it's a, I think you can do that, but I don't think then you can use him in the following game. So I think yeah. you need Jimmy Garcia right now. He's been excellent this year. That's been a great addition for the team. He's their other closer. And I think you'd like to add a third one there. Just another guy who you can comfortably yeah. have coming in the ninth inning and strike guys out. And I agree with you. I think it's go, go all in on a very, very, very good relief arm mm-hmm. rather than adding a handful of okay arms because they have a lot of okay arms and arms that can get them, you know, through the fifth, sixth, seventh inning, whatever. But I don't know if they really have the arms you need to get through Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton in the ninth inning of a game. Yeah, I I think you're bang on with that. Like you you got Miza, you got Garcia, you have Romano. Okay, if you need three, if you need three impact arms to get you through the end of a tough playoff game, you have the three. But as you mentioned, if one of them is taxed, then all of a sudden you're scrambling. You're like, hey, can we trust David Phelps? Can we go with Adam Simmer in the spot? It's just a lot. If you have that fourth impact arm, strong, really reliable, then you're you're sitting there and you're a little bit more relaxed. If you've taxed a guy, like you said, the game before, like it just gives you way more options out of the pen. Um, to wrap up the trade talk, Juan Soto question mark? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I would um, <laughs> be all for that. But I mean, that being said, the uh, one thing we can't accept is uh, Rymel Tapia going the other way. He's mm-hmm. now the star of the Blue Jays. He's yeah, we had, we, had, we had some good Juan Soto talk in the past. I, I don't think it's going to happen personally. Yeah. I don't think the Jays are going to pull the trigger um, if they're going to trade all kinds of prospects for a guy. I don't know if it would be a position player. I think it might be a pitcher again. But I don't know. I, I honestly just don't see them doing like a trade top prospects deal again anytime soon. I feel like they kind of went all in to get their guys. They have their guys. Uh, we're not going to see that again. I think they want to have kind of that cheap talent coming up through the system to augment the team to be good for a while. I, I that That's my guess. I could be wrong. You know, they 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 could surprise in the offseason and throw together an insane package. But I, I, I would doubt it. And there's absolutely no way they'll do it in the next week. Yeah. I was just going to say like, it's not an in-season move and I know people might whatever roll their eyes at this, but you don't disrupt you. Like if you need to include a Bo Bichette or a Teoscar Hernandez in this deal, I I'm a big believer. You don't disrupt your core like that in the middle of the season. I, I just think that's not great for the overall vibes of a clubhouse. Like as exciting as it would be to get a Juan Soto. I, I think if it's going to take significant pieces off the MLB roster, then I think you just go park it Nats. If you still have them in December, we'll chat again at the winter meetings, but we're not doing something crazy like that at the deadline in season. If, if they were going to make an insane trade and give up a lot, a lot, a lot, and pretty much gut their entire farm system or trade a guy like Bo, I'd prefer it be for Shoei Otani. I think that just, that fills the need, right? That's That's a no brainer. You you have a good, you're good starting pitcher plus an elite hitter. Like, I mean, that's the guy that I would, and no, no offense to Juan Soto, who's obviously like a, a sublime hitter. Like through his first five years in the league, he's like Ted Williams caliber. Yeah. So, I mean, he's obviously fantastic, but if you're going to go and dive in and trade your top four prospects, plus a guy, then get a guy who bats and pitches. 
that's who you do it for. And Otani's extension would be stupid, but I look oh, at God. it from a Rogers perspective. Like, and I remember yeah. reading articles about this over the winter. Like, what will the Angels do with this extension? Because how, like, what are the market comparables? As a big pitcher, he's worth probably $30 million. As a hitter, he's worth probably $30 million. So what do you do? Do you pay the guy 60? Like, you can't even like wrap your head around how much money it would take. But from a Rogers perspective, I think you would just make so much money in the jersey sales alone that acquiring Otani and paying him $50 million a year, you could argue as sick as that sounds, he's probably underpaid at that point for what he would bring to Rogers. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, Shohei Otani is such a unique talent beyond what he is on the field because, again, he's a he's a player from a different country who has a massive following in that country. Yeah. So if you're the Blue Jays and you go and acquire, you know, this 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 phenom from Japan, he's then you're he's inevitably going to gain a whole bunch of fans from Japan as well, and that's yeah. just great for your growth as a franchise. So, like you said, with Rogers, there's advantages to acquiring a player like that. Like I think they'd make back the money in Jersey sales pretty quick, even if they locked him up to like a $55 million annual deal. All right, Coombsy, let's take a look ahead at what's coming for the Toronto Blue Jays. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's a two-gamer, quick little series in Toronto against the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, you know, it I, it's lining up to just be another great spot for Toronto. Um, one, I'll go with it from a Toronto perspective. You got Barrios and you got Gosman going, and Barrios is starting to turn things around. Yes, his ERA in the season on the season is five point two two, but in his last three starts, he's cleared six innings in all of them. And he's only given up six earned runs over those 18 and a third innings. So he's starting to turn it around. The strikeouts are coming. It looks like Barrios is starting to find his groove. And now he gets to face a Cardinals team that doesn't have their two all-star hitters. It's lining up to be a good, good 48-hour run for the Jays against St. Louis. Yeah, circling back, and I, I I wasn't really planning to continue talking about trades, but it kind of is relevant again because as the point we made earlier with like a guy like Tapia heating up or a guy like Biggio kind of hitting his stride means that the need to acquire a left-handed bat isn't quite so great. So now for with Barrios, now that he's kind of pitching like Jose Barrios and the pitcher that they expected him to be, the pitcher they got last year when they pulled the trigger on that trade, then the need to acquire like a mid to top level arm isn't quite so much. You have right now, you have four guys who are rolling and the only spot that's empty is the fifth spot. So 
again, you can, because of that, you can focus your, your efforts elsewhere, ideally on the bullpen, I think, but anyway, circling back, Brios has been excellent. Uh, Gosman's been excellent. This is a really good chance for the Jays to just take two of two from St. Louis and keep rolling. Like that's, that's what you want to see here. St. Louis is a good team, but they're missing yep. their two best guys. They're missing Goldschmidt and they're missing Arianato. So that's a massive hit to their offense. The two best hitters aren't here. And I don't know if, um, I mean, Kansas city, obviously they're missing 10 guys, but the Royals also stuck. So it didn't really matter. But with St. Louis, this is probably the first example we've seen of, okay, this team's really missing like the heart of who they are. And we're going to see basically a shell of the Cardinals show up. Cardinals also a super average road team so far uh, this season, 22 and 26 away from Bush Stadium, 29 and 20 for comparison is their home record. And the Jays have been a really good team at the Rogers Center this season, going 30 and 19, and they're hitting their stride right now. So a uh, really good spot here for Toronto. I'm just taking a quick peek at uh, who's starting here for the cards. It's Palante in game one. He's actually having an okay season here. And then in game two, it's going to be Adam Wainwright, who's six and eight with a 3.40 ERA his last time out. Yeah. He's so old. He's 40. Yeah, he is uh, 40 years old. He had a great year last year. He's had a whole bunch of great years. Like I'm just looking at him right now. And in 2017, it kind of looked like he had become a pumpkin. He was 35. He put up a 511 ERA. And then he's come back after that in 2020, the COVID year. He does a 315 ERA. 2021, a 305 ERA. And this year, a 340 ERA. Yeah. What? But it is worth noting that in his last start, he gave up seven earned runs to Cincinnati. So, uh, you know, maybe he's starting to crack again. Maybe that age is starting to show late in the season for Wainwright. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, right? First ballot, you think? Uh, Let's see. Uh, No, maybe. Yeah, first ballot's probably a little too aggressive. Well, it's hard to say because he's had that kind of career that like the writers really like. You know, he played for one team. He's won the World Series, uh, been on the All-Star team. We never won a Cy Young. Uh, so yeah, maybe that holds you back. But I, again, I don't know. We saw David Ortiz. He gets into the Hall of Fame. He never won an M- Did he win an MVP? No, he didn't. Did he Ortiz not? never did. No. And I mean, he saw a tremendous amount of playoff success. Super clutch hitter. Does a bunch of it with an iconic franchise. I uh, don't think anyone remembers that he played for the Twins. So you have a guy like Wainwright. It's like, well, you played your entire career with St. Louis. St. Louis is a relevant franchise. Won the World Series a couple of times. Sure. First ballot, you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right on Ortiz. Hey, so there was that run from 04 to 07. He finished fourth, second, third, and fourth in MVP voting, won the silver slugger every year. Um, and then outside of those years, in his final season, he came sixth in MVP voting as well. Um, but other than that, he was never top 10 in that MVP was his best voting. season. That that That's last year when he was 40 years old, he puts up a 1.021 OPS, hits 48 or 38 home runs, 48 doubles, 127 RBIs. That by OPS was the best season of his career, which is nuts. Uh, that is crazy. Ortiz obviously getting inducted over the end of the baseball hall of fame. How funny is it that they're doing the Ortiz induction this weekend? The Jays just rolled and kicked the shit out of the Red Sox. It's such funny timing. Yeah, that was uh, that was great to see the Jays just kick the shit out of the Red Sox and what could have been like a really feel good kind of weekend for their franchise. It was the exact opposite. Uh, All right. Two games against St. Louis. And then we are right back in the middle of the week here, Coombsy. So uh, let's see if the Jays can keep this thing rolling. Do you think when we speak again, we're talking about an eight game winning streak, the second one of the season for Toronto? 
Uh, I wouldn't be shocked, but I mean, the Cardinals, they pitch well. And like, yeah. you know, 40 year old Adam Wainwright, who's having a fantastic season for some reason. So I'm hoping for a sweep in the two game series, but the Cardinals are decently good, especially in regards to the pitching. So one to one wouldn't be shocking, but yeah. I, I think we should, we should aim high and be like, yeah, well, the expectation is a sweep. Let's hell yeah. Put it uh, in the universe. Tampa Bay is playing Baltimore. Seattle is playing Texas and Toronto or in Boston and Cleveland are going head to head as well this week. So that's your sort of out of town scoreboard. White Sox are in uh, Colorado to play the Rockies on top of that. So let's see if the Jays can keep it rolling. Let's see if some of those teams behind them can continue sliding and the Jays can continue to increase their lead atop the AL wildcard standings. This has been another edition of BJN Radio. Need to give a shout out to our friends at Points Bet Canada. Odds aren't up yet, but I would imagine the Jays will be heavily favorited with their team total sitting around five and a half runs for these games against the Cardinals. And I love taking overs, Coomzy. So I'm hammering both of those. You enjoy this series and we will chat later in the week. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 